Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 32 of Vague Zone. I am Daniel. I'm Thomas. And today we are discussing 2019's Godzilla, King of the Monsters, directed by Michael Doherty and starring a lot of people. Oh, yes. Uh, so we are continuing our journey through the MonsterVerse leading up to Godzilla vs. Kong. And yeah. I am very much looking forward to it. How are you feeling? It's going to be the fight of the year. I'm so this is the only thing I'm looking forward to in 2021. You know, besides the vaccine and meeting friends again and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, Godzilla. Yeah, there's plenty Kong. of other things. <laughs> Godzilla versus Kong is the most anticipated event of 2021. Yeah. Number one with a bullet. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely like way more hyped after walking through this series. I, I like that we're like leading up to a movie that's actually coming out. It feels good. Yeah, and. It's interesting that it's a Godzilla franchise because it's like such a big spectacle movie, you know, franchise yeah. to go through. And yeah, going from Godzilla 2014 to Kong to this has just been an interesting progression. And so, yeah, should I do the uh, the IMDb? Yes, please. Okay. Can you the cryptozoological agency Monarch faces off against a battery of god-sized monsters, including the mighty Godzilla, who collides with Mothra, Rodan, and his ultimate nemesis, the three-headed King Ghidorah. Is it G- Ghidorah? Ghidorah. Ghidorah. King, I think King, it's Ghidorah. Ghidorah. <laughs> uh, King, I, uh, yeah, I, I sometimes I say Ghidorah just because of the MF Doom thing. He, he does like this. Mm. Uh, alter ego as King G- King Ghidra. Sometimes he pronounces King Ghidra. Or so, yeah, I have a lot of Ghidra pronunciations in my mind. But yeah, here we're doing Ghidorah. 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 I wonder how the Japanese pronounce it, too. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, yeah. Thomas, what did you think of Godzilla King of the Monsters? I enjoy this movie a lot. I have a couple of little gripes with it but overall it's just such a fucking insane movie and yeah the first time i saw it i just like kind of just threw it on randomly with my parents just to sit down and watch it over christmas and it it kind of blew us all away just the fact that it's just a big spectacle movie and yeah my mom was like she's super big fan of mothra and yeah it's just really great to see these titans in these in really distinct environments and yeah i think as far as Comparing this to other movies in this franchise, yeah, I feel like it's just the logical conclusion of all these images is just like a biblical-sized battle across the globe, yeah. basically. So, yeah, this is like a globe-trotting fucking Titan fight movie, and it's just absolutely insane. And so, yeah, there's a lot of stuff to love about this movie. And so, yeah, I enjoy watching it every time. Sometimes I like, just put it on mute and we'll like work on rap music. And so, yeah, it's just a good visual accompaniment to the studio. What did you think about it? um yeah i also really like this movie like to an embarrassing degree i feel like (laughs) um i feel like i think early on when we started covering these movies i remember you saying something along the lines of oh i have a lot of thoughts on that and it made me really worried that like you were gonna hate this movie yeah Um, i think i still do have a lot of thoughts about this movie (laughs) okay okay yeah even Uh, but yeah i'm happy to happy to know you happy to know you like it (laughs) sweet yeah yeah um i guess we'll what are the the big thoughts that you took away? Like, how many times have you seen uh, this? Uh, this is probably, I think I've seen this three times now, because I watched it two times this last week. Uh, but I did see it in theaters, and my experience of seeing it in theaters was, you know, I, I felt like the human story, once again, was kind of dumb, but I really enjoyed the action. It has a problem of having way too much shit going on in front of the lens. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, either snow or rain or smoke. There's always some something going on that's kind of concealing the the action a little bit. But um, I don't know. What you can see is is wonderful. And uh, when I saw it in theaters, I remember there was a group of dudes behind me who were just, like, super excited about it, like, giddy with excitement. And that yeah. really, like, upped the enjoyment for me. So uh, on a rewatch, I was actually pretty worried that it was going to be one of those situations where I would go into this and all of the flaws of the human story would be more pronounced and really ruin the experience for me but i think because i already understood it was pretty dumb the first time uh on the rewatch i was just like yep still dumb but i can just fully enjoy the things that i enjoyed the first time totally and yeah that's kind of how i still feel even on the third time yeah i guess well my big question is what do you think about like the visuals of this i feel like uh, this movie is super blue, and I don't know. How do you feel about just the the hues of it? 
Uh, to me, it feels like, well, I, I feel like I kind of remember the first or Godzilla 2014 being pretty blue. Maybe not yeah. to the same saturated degree, but um, to me, it feels like this is kind of joining of the visual styles between Godzilla 2014 and Kong. Like Kong yeah. really ramped up the color. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, really exaggerated. And this is more, it's still darker uh, the way the first movie was. It still feels... It doesn't have the same vibe as Kong, but it still does have these exaggerated, this exaggerated color. Um, and so, yeah, to me, it feels like a collision between the two. And it's it's once again, we're, even on the story, once again, we're following a family that is at the center of this much larger monster drama. Yeah. Uh, but it's fucking, we get way more monsters uh, the same way we do in Kong. So, yeah, it's, it's bridging these two worlds, it feels like. How about you? Yeah, I just that was the biggest takeaway when I first watched it. I was like, holy shit, this is like the bluest movie I've ever seen. And <laughs> there's even the moment when Godzilla reemerges out of his slumber and he does the beam into the sky. And then like, yeah. he's blue, his, his spines are blue. And then like the beam is just like this neon, like just fountain going up into the, the fucking clouds. And it, it's gorgeous. But I'm like, yeah, like it's just super blue. Even on the poster, it's like, yeah, like blue. And then the, the title. So I was like, yeah, I thought the color choice felt a little... Uh, I don't know. I don't want to say excessive, but I think they went really far into that direction. But besides that, I, I, I have fun looking at this movie. Yeah, I think it does get a little crowded with the fights. A little has that Transformers syndrome when you know there's uh, Ghidorah and Rodan fighting in the sky, and there's just like a lot of stuff That's going, going awesome. around. But yeah, the, but all these sequences are just like amazing, and like they're just burned yeah. into my mind now. Like. Yeah, uh, Rodan coming out of the volcano is just fucking awesome. And yeah, Gita biting the, the power plant towards the end and just like electrifying the entire sky. So there's just so much shit in this movie where I'm just taking screenshots on my, my computer. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to screenshot, screenshot, screenshot. And so, yeah, I think all of that stuff is great. But yeah, the human side is kind of whack. I think um, Millie Bobby Brown got a really bad casting <clears throat> in this movie. I think they want someone a little bit younger. I think they need someone like five or six years younger to be the sort of fumbling i'm burning breakfast and just like ogling at mothra you know type of thing what, did, what would you think about that because i i thought it was just a casting of the you know she's the flavor of the month because of stranger things so we have to have her in this movie i mean it is a little so at the beginning when she's kind of running around the uh research center or whatever this place is it it does feel a little like a child who has run of the place uh when they probably shouldn't and I, I it does feel like something that makes more sense for a younger character um but i don't know i feel like the complexity of the relationship between her and her mom and then her and her dad and sort of her jumping into action with the orca and stuff that all feels appropriate for a teenager um, for sure i don't know i don't know i just I think my biggest pet peeve for movies is when characters are just really awful in the kitchen. And so her introduction <laughs> is just being on the computer, answering emails, head like, not like, you know, earbuds in completely just like doing the thing, talking to her dad. And then behind her, it's like a full breakfast being made. I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah. Like, you're going to be. Cook bacon slow and low. Yeah. People <laughs> always burn their bacon slow and low. In you got to remember. In every movie, yeah. Bacon must be burned. It's like the, the Chekhov's gun. Yeah, there's just, like, so many fucking characters in this movie, and I think they sort of have the issue that Kong had where they got rid of them in, in unceremonious ways, and that's well, what happens to Sally I, Hawkins when her, like, yeah. she's inside the helicopter and it just drops into the ice. That is my biggest... I think that's maybe my biggest problem with this movie is that, like, I forgot Sally Hawkins was in 2014 because she has nothing to do. Yeah. And then in this one, she has nothing to do, and then she gets killed. And it's like, why... This is a two-time Academy Award-nominated actress. Like, yeah. do something with this actress. Like, um, yeah, and I think they're I doing it just to replace her with Zhang Ziyi and to have her just do more of the same, more of the similar exposition of explaining the stuff that Monarch is doing in the history of these monsters. And uh, they just want to just switch it to this Chinese character. Well, it feels like every character is kind of just providing exposition in like one form or another. Yeah. I feel like I feel like you could cut out Thomas Middleditch's character. You took the words give, out of my mouth. <laughs> and give a lot of a lot of what he has to do to Sally Hawkins. Because like a lot of what he does is just like he's asking questions. He doesn't want to believe that um 
Vera Farmiga's character is actually like a terrorist and he wants really wants to work with Kyle Chandler because they used to work uh well he Thomas Middleditch and Kyle Chandler didn't work together but Kyle Chandler used to be part of Monarch. Gotcha. Um, so it's like you could yeah you could give a lot of that to Sally Hawkins and it's fine because um, if you are gonna if you are gonna kill a character, have it like mean something. <laughs> because Sally Hawkins dies, we get her image on a screen saying deceased, and then twenty minutes later, it, it, you, it, she might as well have not existed because it has no impact packed on the rest of the movie. Yeah, when I was watching it for the I like also like you, I've watched it three times, and so the second time I was I totally missed it, and I was like, wait a second, like I did not notice that at all. But I was watching it today, and yeah, she sacrifices herself to save. Well, not sacrifice. She saves uh, this other character first, and then she dies in the process. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yeah, I just felt lame and just lazy. Just like, okay, if you're gonna have these many characters, just have just you can write her out and not just kill her in this massive yeah. battle. And I remember, yeah, the first time I saw it, I didn't even know what the fuck happened because. Like, it's an action sequence. There's fucking snow everywhere. And yeah. I thought she got stepped on, maybe. I, I didn't really know what happened until we see the deceased uh, video thing. And then even on the rewatch, I was like, wait, did she get... How did she die? Did she? I know she died now. Did she get stepped on? What? And then on the third rewatch, I was like, oh, yeah, she was eaten. Uh, no, so she's yeah, in kinda... the helicopter that drops. No, no, she gets eaten. She's, she's, she's running. She's on foot running in front of Kyle Chandler. And she gets grabbed by uh, one of the Ghidorah heads. Oh, I fucking, I might have just totally, yeah. totally missed it. Yeah. She gets grabbed as like a big chunk of ice. And then we get a shot of one of the Ghidorah heads like chomping on the ice. And some uh, some of the ice falls and one of the other Ghidorah heads like catches it. Um, okay, yeah, I, I yeah. might have. I rewatched t- it multiple times. <laughs> All right, for sure. I, I'm going to go with your version and not Mandela affect myself right now. Um, but yeah, I, I think that this movie sort of doesn't do that too much and so yeah i think that's just one of the moments that sticks out but other than that i think yeah it's just yeah fucking just great to just be along for this journey following godzilla going along to take down Ghidra. yeah it feels like a lot of the the human element is just to justify seeing monsters fight each other um yeah like the first movie because because it wanted to do a Jaws thing and not really show us the monster. We're spending a lot more time with the human characters and the human characters end up sort of just like uh, crossing paths with the monsters. But here, like the humans are actively chasing the monsters and like trying to get into the action. And I feel like it works a lot better. Um, What do you think of like, what do you think of the whole eco-terrorist thing? (laughs) Uh, yeah, the the first time the twist happened, I was like, oh, that's an interesting character choice. I like how silly it is, like her big face on the screen, and she's like giving yeah. this grand speech, and she's like playing footage of yeah, she's like, like B-roll, the, like yeah, like the, the world <laughs> falling apart. Like, I love how over the top it is. I'm totally into it, and yeah, I think there's just moments like that where they're just silly, and I'm yeah, it. I think it helps sell just the ridiculous the ridiculousness of the entire situation. And yeah, I, I like you know, a good character turn midway through. We were with her in the beginning and we, you know, think that she's working. We <laughs> Sorry, we think she's a good guy. And then she reveals that she's releasing yeah. this beast upon the world to help cleanse it. And so, yeah, it's, it's really dark. I like it. It's really interesting to me. It's always weird to me when the good guys or no, the bad guys are like, we have to stop climate change. Yeah. <laughs> like We have to do something about climate change. We're the villains. Yeah. yeah. Um, so humans are the virus. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, it's it's interesting that this movie ends basically proving the eco-terrorists right because the whole thing of the eco-terrorists is that they're like, oh, uh, humans have destroyed the Earth. The reason these titans are waking up is because they are undoing the damage that humans have done. And so what we're going to do is we're going to expedite that process of waking them up because we have this device called the Orca that we can use to control them. So once they've done a certain amount of damage, we can use the Orca and we can like send them off you know yeah this nice uh, piece of machinery used to keep beach used to keep whales off beaches can be used to keep these titans out of cities yeah and so what goes wrong is it turns out they wake wake up king Ghidorah, who is not of earth and so the orca doesn't work on him and he starts waking up the other titans and you know chaos ensues um so yeah this movie what this movie kind of does though at the end with the during the credits it's showing all these newspaper headlines and it basically proves that the eco-terrorists are right because it's saying stuff about how like 
oh yeah, everywhere the Titans have gone, like nature, nature is healing. Yeah. Uh, and like Titan dung is like an amazing energy source. And like, uh, I don't know. There's also, it also, the headlines also have this weird dynamic of like, it feels like Godzilla has become the president or something because it's like yeah. Godzilla is, uh, you know, taming the Titans and, uh, God, I don't know. It's just like listing off all these accomplishments. Yeah, it's really yeah. I love those moments at the end, and I want to get this actor's names right. Uh, but yeah, the the guy who they have doing it, he like lives to the end. As it, yeah, it, Charles yeah, Dance. Yeah, Charles Dance. Like I, I, th- I find From it Game interesting. Of Thrones? That, yeah, I find it interesting that they have his character survive through all of this towards the end, and I yeah, I think that ties yeah. into what you're saying. Having the Titans radioactivity be you know a reason that the earth has started to regrow is, is pretty great and yeah yeah they're much just cheering on godzilla at the end i f- i feel like the bad guys kind of had the right plan like yeah uh, there's there's definitely a more responsible way to go about it but like i think they you know waking up the titans and corralling them uh to like replenish the earth seems to make sense um, because yeah. I don't, under, I don't, what I to- don't totally understand is what Monarch's plan is. Yeah. Because they are in the midst of being in the middle of either being absorbed by the government or just being un- un- autonomous, correct? Like, so I think. Yeah. But they're... like, what do, what do they want to achieve as an autonomous organization? Because like Ken Watanabe, his whole thing, Ichiro Serizawa, his whole thing is that he wants to coexist with the Titans. But like, what does that coexistence look like if not, you know, using this orca to actually control them and to keep them at bay, I guess. Yeah, it's just like another version of what the eco-terrorists are doing, but just not to the extremist Not drastic. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry, you were, you watched an interview with uh, Michael Doherty? Yeah, and I just find it interesting because I am obsessed with just the roster of monsters and, sorry, the, the roster of titans in this movie mm-hmm. because I think it's such, uh, they're so grand and so fucking huge and, and yeah, I have this. I think that's like such a strong part about this movie. Like in response to Godzilla 2014, it was just very sparse bits of Godzilla and the Motas. Mm-hmm. And so here it's like, okay, this is literally just humans chasing monsters the entire time and just all spectacle on them. And then he mentions that there wasn't a mandate to include this amount of mon- uh, Titans in the movie, but in a Wikipedia article, that's the exact language that they use for the opposite, saying that Legendary oh. did say that there was a mandate to include Monarch and uh, Rodan, Mothra, yeah, and Eora. And I, just, I, thought, I thought that was kind of interesting because, yeah, it does seem like there's just a lot going on. And I, yeah, it's just... I don't want, I feel like it's a little bloated and there's like a lot of characters and a lot of monsters. And so it's just like, yeah, it, it's an odd balancing act. It, it's, it sort of works, but yeah, it's just a, it, it, I, just, I found it interesting. They could have definitely slimmed things down. Like there's like, like we said, they could cut out Thomas Middleditch. I really don't like Bradley Woodford's character. Who's all quips. Yeah. Um, Dr. Dr. Rick Stanton. Uh, yeah. Maybe, yeah, I think I maybe agree. just the two comedic characters are the characters that I don't like. I just yeah. think like ninety percent of the humor in this movie doesn't work. Yeah, I'm in that gonorrhea joke has not aged well for Thomas yeah. Middleditch. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think uh, having Surizawa be sort of at the center of this sacrifice at the end is a nice connection to the original. And you like the generals. Sorry. Uh, so the military shows up towards the end of this movie, and they basically they would say we're going to drop an oxygen destroyer onto yeah. the fight of Ghidorah and Godzilla just to sort of end all of this. And basically, I like that because that's the exact device that's back. used to in the first movie. Yeah. And then later, uh, low Ken Watanabe. Yeah, Ken Watanabe. Yeah, Ken Watanabe. He sacrificed himself, and yeah, I just thought that was a nice parallel and like reversal of in the original, like there using this oxen to destroy to destroy Godzilla. And this is uh, a really heavy sacrifice by this character. And in this movie, he's doing the, the opposite. He's making this big sacrifice to bring Godzilla back to life. And I just, I, I like that connection between yeah. this movie and the old one. I think it's a really nice way to sort of just honor the roots of this series. It's, it's weird to me. So I think the problem, one of my problems with the oxen destroy thing is that if you don't know that this is a callback, it's just like, out of nowhere, we're introducing this new weapon <laughs> that yeah. is going to create a problem. Like, this this movie does this a couple times, where first it's, okay, out of nowhere, we're introducing this weapon that is going to create more conflict. 
then later, it, actually, it's later when Ken Watanabe is going to go uh, blow up the nuke to wake Godzilla up. Uh, some character that I'm pretty sure we've never seen before just like comes in and he's like, our weapon systems are down. We can't fire the <laughs> we can't fire the nuclear torpedo when we have to take it in manually. And so yeah. it's just like it just it, conflict is introduced out of nowhere. And then the characters just kind of have to deal with it. It doesn't feel like it has any sort of real causation. Um, it doesn't yeah, feel I agree with smooth that. or natural. And like th th yeah. that's also kind of how this movie deals with exposition too. Is there's a lot of moments where uh, usually like Zi Zhang, Zi Zhang, Zi Zi. I think it's actually Zhang Zi Yi is how. I think the names are backwards on IMDb. But anyways, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure Zhang Zi Yi. <laughs> um, she has moments where she's just like realizing something that is happening. Like she's just like, oh, he must be doing this, or oh, they must this must be happening <laughs> like it's yeah. just like they just have the characters have these sudden realizations so that they can d like provide exposition um yeah it's kind of clunky <laughs> yeah kind of just like looking at all what's happening and then there's like a nice computer a convenient computer <laughs> computer screen with it just like the information yeah. right there for us one part in this movie that i find really interesting is we have joe morton show up for the scene right before mothra emerges from the waterfall which is a beautiful sequence just want to get that out of the way first but yeah joe morton is he's playing uh the older version of cory hawkins uh yeah cory hawkins character from kong skull island and i think that's like one of the really? few yeah it's like one of the few okay, connections yeah it's like i didn't notice that but i just saw his character and i was just watching um the Snyder cut and I was like yeah Joe Morton is like all over the Snyder cut and I was like wait like I see this guy he's like always a black scientist he's great but then I was like wait he's supposed to be playing yeah, yeah. this character from Kong and I I found it interesting because they don't emphasize it at all and I think that this franchise could have went further in the direction of connecting characters from those other movies leading up into this but i think that would be so much so much work and so i think their version of that is yeah having this character be this person and you know having the guy who introduces the oxen destroyer is like our main military guy from godzilla yeah. 2014 he like just shows up for that and then he disappears and yeah i think I mean, uh, at least connect the universe a little bit more yeah same with like vera from uh same with like the family when, I vera don't want to, yeah vera Famiga. same with the family like the opening shot is like them in the rubble of san francisco happening yeah. i think that's like a like a nice not nice i think that's a, a very tacked on way to include them into this and yeah i, I don't know i think <laughs> no no well, go, go finish your thought <laughs> well, I, I think well the main thing i was just going to say is i feel like there could have been a stronger connective tissue with these characters if they were attempting to do something between movies, you know, in this entire franchise being connected to yeah. each other besides just the monsters. And I clearly like they're going in that direction with this with Joe Morton being in this movie, but I not emphasizing it and not having it be crucial, I think it's it's kind of odd because it's like, okay, it's like are you guys going for this or it's like an not? Easter egg kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um but I I have heard and I have actually haven't confirmed on IMDb, I, which I could very easily do. I heard that Joe Morton was gonna be back in Godzilla vs. Kong, but now I'm looking at IMDb and it doesn't look like that's the case. So okay, well, maybe maybe I must be wrong. <laughs> um uh, yeah, okay, so yeah, one thing I was gonna talk about is Vera Farmiga so that whole family. So her son dies, and that is her motivation for waking up Titans to yeah. undo cl climate change. <laughs> like, it's a very... Mm, yeah, that doesn't really compute. Um, yeah, it's like he dies in, in that accident. They go back to Boston, and... In she's the other... like, I must wake up these Titans to stop climate change. <laughs> yeah, and in the husband's words, like, the family fractured because of that. And yeah... <clears throat> It's, yeah, it seems really like, strange. Yeah, her explanation is like, after her son died, she was driven to stop the Titans. But then in researching stopping the Titans, she realized why they were waking up. And she became a supporter of the Titans. She became Team Titans. Team Titan, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just like, why even have the dead son in this case? Like, it, I don't know. It's it's weird justification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the human, <laughs> the human portion. Like we could really spend a lot of time picking apart the human portion if we wanted. But uh, yeah, just like you know, putting in fortune cookie jokes at the end of a really like heavy 
poignant Fucking... character moment. <laughs> and as soon as uh, Ken Watanabe dies, we get Bradley Whitford saying something like, oh, are we going to let him fight some uh, Sarazawa action? I used to love when he said that. And it's like, dude, he just died like five minutes ago and we're already making jokes. Yeah, it's like you have this very honorable moment with, you know, the music swelling and, you know, him him being in this underground fortress is what is pretty fucking amazing and waking yeah. Godzilla up from this underwater slumber and saying goodbye, friend, in Japanese is, you know, yeah. super heavy Which moment. Is still, it's still, navigating that is still weird to me, too. Like, because the first movie, it's like anti, you know, anti-nuke, basically. Yeah. Um and, you know, Serizawa and the original Godzilla kills himself because he invents the oxygen destroyer and he doesn't want this to fall into the wrong hands. You know, he thinks it's ultimately evil. Correct. And here we have a character. He delivers this line about how, uh, you know, the things that create the wounds, sometimes you need to make peace with those things. Um, what What is the exact line? Do you know? Yeah, it's that's uh, essentially what he's saying. The gist of what he's saying is, yeah, it's about coexistence and like, yeah, being able to coexist with these titans. And you know, he says, some the, sometimes the only way to heal our wounds is to make peace with the demons who created them. Gotcha. And so this is a man whose father survived, uh, you know, either Hiroshima or Nagasaki uh, survived the atomic bomb, and he carries around this watch, which stopped at the time that the bomb. He detonated i believe um and so the way this character dies is by taking a nuclear torpedo and using it to wake up godzilla um and so for me it's like i have a hard time understanding navigating the politics of that like that's uh, something i need to think on for a little longer yeah absolutely because it wasn't something i noticed to be honest with you it was something that i read in a reddit comment i was like oh well yeah those they do has the same character's last name and so there's clearly yeah. a connection in something being said here but yeah as you're sort of apprehensive of it i'm like yeah that is a little dicey because yeah the politics on that are very odd and yeah i even think it's odd that they basically confirm this uh, hollow earth theory that they've been juggling mm -hmm. around for these movies too talking about that these these ancient tunnels under the uh, under the earth that these titans use to travel around and he basically walks into there with a nuke and destroys it and so yeah that's that's yeah, yeah it seems to be like they want to have it be this really dramatic moment and this really character driven moment but it's also yeah very muddy politically and yeah i and... think they're also aiming for spectacle over meaning yeah well there's also very messy politics with hollow earth because hollow earth is an actual conspiracy theory that gets tossed around uh usually by a lot of anti-semitic conspiracy theorists uh, in the real world I so think of, i think i've heard this okay, yeah, yeah that's well it's up. like a lot of the same people who believe in like reptilians and shit like that or like, like or who float those conspiracies whether they believe them or not they're they're floating these things and totally. a lot of these things tie back to anti-semitism in one way or another um fucking a <laughs> yeah um so it's it's yeah godzilla american godzilla is messy you know people have made the have talked about how uh Oh, you know, back in the day, you know, Godzilla was the terror of nu of nuclear weapons. And now it's uh he's he's a hero who is powered by nuclear weapons. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's an interesting trajectory. Yeah, and in this one they have him being it's him fighting Ghidorah at the end and he's basically just em emitting like this yeah. radiation into like this just melting the, buildings and yeah shit. like these shocks like shockwaves I'm like yeah it's like you guys did not see Shin Godzilla at all did you guys it's <laughs> like this just the the tones just completely flipped and yeah, yeah like Boston is just getting just just completely eradicated in that last fight and yeah I think the director took the he took the biblical revelations direction yeah. and just went all the way down that way yeah, this is a lot of the cinematography style is very much like calling upon disaster movies and, um, you know, the style of those. And we feel like uh, I forget which country it is where Rodan wakes up and we're seeing like these high winds and people getting swept away and like people like hanging horizontally from pillars as like the wind is blowing them. And, stuff. Yeah. and you know, entire like neighborhoods being wiped out. Yeah. 
Mm. Super aggressive. It just says Mexico on the Wikipedia, just like some city in Mexico. Mm. Yeah, there's it's a lot. Of, I like the Mexico. showdown. Yeah, the showdown wides. Like, you know, there's the Ghidorah and Godzilla, yeah. then there's the Ghidorah and Rodan. Just like, yeah, just the filling up the frame like that, I think it's just a, a always just a really satisfying way just to just show you the scale of all these beasts. Uh, what did you think of the score? I dug it. I thought it could have been a little louder. I feel like there were some moments where I felt like it could have gotten cranked up just a couple of decibels. Like when Godzilla gets reborn and they're playing the classic theme, like it's just a fantastic moment. And yeah, there's just yeah. like character shouting and like, ocean noise and stuff kind of just colliding with just i just want to hear the score like i, I just want to hear uh ifukube's you know i just want to hear that that pure music and then like when the jet is flying in and fighting like helping godzilla fight you know right towards the end oh okay yeah uh, and it does uh the other like main godzilla theme it's like that was like my favorite little needle drop and i, I love those moments i just thought that it could have been a little bit louder there was a part that i really liked where it's like Rodan has taken to the skies and the jets, I think, I think the jets are already flying in and Rodan like rises up kind of behind them. Mm -hmm. And I think that at that moment, like we get like this um, sort of heavy percussion in the score where it almost sounds like these like large, like wooden planks are just like smacking against the side of a wooden drum. Awesome. And it's just like, it's so fucking good. <laughs> like, yeah, the monster shit in this movie is so fucking good. I was so eager to rewatch this as soon as we started this. Yeah, there's some, like, fantastic details in this that I just, like, nerd out about. There's some, I'm going to list off a couple. So there, when Mothra is still in the larva state, it's, like, picking off the soldiers inside of this, uh, like, compound. And it basically, it, like webs one to the wall and then it grabs mm -hmm. one guy and just like tosses him into the web i just thought that was just like just a nice cute little moment it's like i'm just gonna just throw you into the web and then later uh Ghidorah is uh like just totally eviscerates some soldiers and then the left head just starts like licking the body and then yeah. the middle head's like hey like stop doing that and yeah yeah the left head is just a little goober it's being weird i like that they gave them personalities yeah, yeah. individual personalities and I, I think I have a theory for why the left head is always the weird one, because it's the one that gets decapitated in their underwater yeah. fight later on. And even when they're on the side of the ship and Ghidorah's like coming up and you get this like straight on shot and Godzilla just comes in from the from the right and just like smacks the left head. I was like, I think Godzilla just is always attacking that head first. And yeah, so maybe he's right handed. <laughs> so... He's yeah, swinging he's, in. All, he's leading with the right, and so <laughs> yeah. the consequence of that is the Gator's left head is just like completely traumatized over like, eon eons of battles, always being hit first. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, the oh. monster stuff in this movie is insane. Oh, wait, did it? And then we get that fucking final shot, or where so so Godzilla twenty fourteen ends with the uh, the atomic kiss, where Godzilla just breathes his uh, atomic breath into the mouth of the Mudo. Yeah. And it's, uh, it feels like Michael Doherty was just like, well, how am I going to outdo that? <laughs> like, I got to, like, end on a high note. So we get that great shot where it feels like Ghidorah might still be alive, might have survived all this devastation. <laughs> and yeah. then it turns out that uh, he's in, it's just a neck inside of Godzilla's mouth, and he slurps him up like a spaghetti noodle. And it's fucking extra <laughs> yeah it's it's so great <laughs> yeah uh, i just think it's fantastic I, yeah and going back to the the rodan fight i just like how elegant rodan takes out all those fighter jets like oh yeah the like the barrel roll like, like the barrel <laughs> roll is just like yeah it's like really elegant stuff like that and yeah i think they just the the details of the monsters is what helps elevate this movie and just make it feel like yeah just like a, a saturday morning cartoon of just all-out brawls like the the fact that we get like the the uh Ghidorah and Godzilla fight in the first 45 minutes just shows you yeah. how like breakneck this movie is and just like we want to show you something every 10 minutes yeah, we know why you're here <laughs> yeah it's like we're gonna give you something big every 10 minutes and if not you can smack us in the face because we're not doing our job and I thought yeah I think the monsters look pretty good too like even though they're concealed by like snow and rain like Ghidorah there's some shots where it almost looks like a puppet and that and i mean that in like the best way possible like it yeah. looks like a physical thing that you can like touch um yeah practical above all else and so if you can get tricked in those moments that's that's totally fine yeah. my, my favorite little detail is when 
uh, Mothra shows up and like webs Ghidorah to a building, and then Godzilla approaches from the back, and we see his reflection. Mm. Oh, the and, reflection, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then just like just tears the building down. It's like, oh yeah, shit, this is so good. And so yeah, I think they just yeah they they fucking did their job on this movie. Have you seen uh, any of Michael Doherty's other movies? Yes, I Have was looking. Uh, okay. <laughs> his filmography earlier yeah so he wrote x2 i was a really big fan of x2 back in the day and i saw krampus in theaters yeah. and krampus is awesome krampus is such a good movie there's yeah krampus? the scene where i've seen <laughs> krampus the scene where um the scene in this where Ghidorah regrows their head it felt like isn't there a scene in krampus where like there's like a transformation or something like that and like everyone's so. kind of horrified because it to me it felt like it had a similar vibe. Like I was like, oh yeah, this is this is Michael Doherty like showing some of his like humor and personality. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that, and I still I haven't seen Trick or Treat. And you talked about that on the show before. Trick or Treat, yeah, it's a classic. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting that that's become a classic. Like I go to like Halloween stores, and now there's you know the little uh, Bagman character from Trick or Treat everywhere. That's it's, awesome. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a movie that should have been as popular as it became. Um, but. Yeah, I sort of feel that way about Stranger Things. Like, Stranger Things, I feel like I had friends that were watching the show that weren't into the, that particular brand of, like, candy-coated nostalgia. nostalgia. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah, when that show, like, sort of took over, everyone's like, oh, yeah, Stranger Things VHSs and stuff. I was like, I just, hmm. I, I get that this show is good, but I don't get that. The 80s, man. 80s like nostalgia it was fucking everywhere for a while like hard like um yeah. especially like all the just like neon lights and like synth music it's like hotline miami that video game was really big you got drive with its synth score and it's uh, sort of like dreamy aesthetics um, this might be kind of a deep cut but have you ever played call of duty infinite warfare no, I have not. I don't think that's. A, I don't think that's considered a deep cut. It's like a no. fucking. <laughs> well, I, well, I guess I was game. gonna go a little further and be like, have you ever played any of the zombie modes of that game? Where it's like, I have not. It's, it's, it's not on all of them. I know you're probably not a, a first. You like first person shooters? I like first. I'm not a Call of Duty guy. I haven't been a okay. Call of Duty guy since. I think Modern Warfare Two was the last one I played. For sure, I'm. I'm kind of the same way. I'm half in, half out. But I think the zombie thing that they do is fantastic. And in Infinite Warfare, they have the zombies. It's set in this 80s theme theme park. And basically, okay. it has, like, these four big sections of the map where you can go. And, like, this is, like, the dinosaur, like, prehistoric world where stuff happens. And, you know, there's things you can trigger and as the rounds progress. And, yeah, just having, like, 80s music. And they have, like, some, like, soundtrack songs come in that are, like, you know, yeah. actual dopes. I, I, I love that. I played so much of that zombie thing. So, yeah, that 80s nostalgia is super real. Even though yeah, since scores, especially. Like, uh, It Follows had, like, an 80s thing going on a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, Turbo Kid with its synth score. Uh, I don't know. There's all sorts of little things. <laughs> Apparently, Ready Player One is oversaturated with that. Oh, God, yeah. Dude, have you have you read or seen Ready Player One? No. It's fucking... I read that book. I read that book so quick, and it was terrible. <laughs> like, <laughs> the entire time. Like, we were on a trip to New York, and I was just, like, reading it whenever we were riding the subway. And I would just always like turn to Emily and I'm like, this book is terrible. <laughs> like I can't stop reading it. <laughs> um, and then it's like the movie comes out and I was like, okay, I could see like th there's like a good adventure at the core of Ready Player One. And what, why Ready Player One, why I think it, the thing that I find interesting about it is that like all of the, because it's just about pop culture and like the whole adventure takes place within pop culture, yeah. all of the lore are, is things that you can actually experience because <laughs> it's like things that actually exist. Like totally, if, yeah, if yeah. Pac-Man is lore within this adventure, then you can go and play Pac-Man and you could read up on like the people who created it, et cetera, et cetera. Like all the lore already exists within the real world. Um, so I found that really interesting. And just like the idea that like, you know, reality sucks. So people have jacked themselves into the matrix voluntarily um, to cope with it. Um, so but the writing is so poor that I was like, okay, like maybe they'll fix this for the movie. Like this, mm -hmm. there's an, it, enough intriguing ideas here that it can be salvaged. And the movie just like introduces new problems. And it's, it's, it's really bad. Oh, that um, sucks. Yeah. I remember Emily saw it before me. She hadn't read the book, but like, I remember she got out of the theater and she was just so pissed off. Uh, <laughs> but so anyway. experience. 
Yeah, I think that, that might be wrapping uh, it up for uh, King of the Monsters. I didn't really have any other main thoughts. But while we're talking about writing, in this movie, there was a writer's room with 10 writers working on the treatment. And I just need to throw that fun fact fuck. out there because I, I think that might be a reason why there's just so much going on. And there's just like yeah. the family Cut it and the down. military. <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't, I don't, I don't even think you need this family at the, like, it's interesting enough that you have a group of terrorists who are like, we want to wake up these Titans so that they can undo the effects of global warming. And we have a device that can be used to communicate with them. And we have another organization who's like, that's too dangerous. We got to stop you. We got to get control of that device. (laughs) Um, Then you have like a chase movie and the chase movie involves waking up monsters. And then you can build in, you know, like what are the themes? What are the things you're actually trying to communicate with this basic premise? Um, You don't need to overcomplicate it with like, you know, we lost our child and all this stuff. Yeah, it makes me a little like nervous about Godzilla versus Kong because in this movie we have like oh, Millie Bobby Brown is doing like the extended hand on the frozen Ghidorah and just like being like too oh, many I'm extended hands. And then like that's like in the trailer for Godzilla versus Kong. I'm like, I well, hope you guys put this to rest when this movie comes out. In Kong, no yeah. In Kong, Brie Larson touches Kong. She extends (laughs) her hand out. And in this, we get Millie Bobby Brown touching Mothra. And then we get Ken Watanabe touching Godzilla. Yeah, she does it with Mothra and she does it with the frozen Ghidorah. Yeah, people love sticking their hands out (laughs) to touch monsters. Yeah, and I just think that, yeah, when you are writing by committee, I think things fall through the cracks like that. It's like the, uh, the face waterfall from Face Off. Or you haven't seen Face Off, huh? No, but <sighs> I'll fucking off. watch it. I'll watch it soon. <laughs> no. I'm I'm on a roll. I've been watching a lot of stuff. So, uh, so speaking of which, what have you been watching this week? So this week I finished Paranoia Agent. Okay. So, and yeah. what is your review? <laughs> uh, fucking fantastic. I don't think I've ever seen a psychological thriller anime. So I think like experiencing that for the first time was just really fantastic and yeah, yeah I, I i guess i'll spoil it for our viewers so warning if you haven't seen the show i'm just gonna start dropping stuff about the end of it but yeah i like the fact that it was a mystery a mystery at the beginning it remained a mystery towards the end and just a lot of the themes that they're talking about were yeah about yeah post-war japan we're talking about identity and suicide and just like you know dealing with burden and like just social burden yeah all that stuff was really fascinating and just all the characters were like yeah really colorful and just the style of it was really vibrant and shifting reality and just all it was just 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 so great and yeah i can't wait to go back and rewatch it knowing how it ends and just how like mystical and just like poetic and it's it's very fable like to me yeah yeah that suicide episode i remember watching that and i was like at the time i was like this is one of the craziest things i've ever seen yeah i was floored by that like when they uh when they're getting ready to jump in front of the train and somebody else jumps first (laughs) like yeah that was such an i don't know i've never yeah there are a few moments (laughs) in television that hit me like that yeah and there's one in particular that i wanted to ask you about because there's the moment where they're like this i guess for I'll mention it. It's this family, and they're it's like this ragtag family of people who have met on this message board, and mm-hmm. they're basically their goal is to commit suicide together. Yeah, and they are like just very whimsically going from one attempt to the other, and it reminded me of Harold and Maude a little bit of just like that Ooh, dealing with yeah. the, that morbid humor. But there's a moment where they there's like a group of girls taking a picture and they walk up behind them and they like photobomb them and then continue to. Are you familiar with that little? Beat? Yeah, yeah, and, and then. That- the ghosts, girls look at right? the, yeah it's like okay so is this implying that they're just completely dead for the entirety of this oh i don't know i i it's been a while since i've seen it okay um, i feel like but... I, I might have interpreted that as just that like by the end they were successful in what they okay. set out to do um yeah a lot of small moments like that really stuck with me and really resonated with me so i'm, I'm happy you, you recommended it so yeah i spent a lot of time i i, I said i was going to do like two episodes a week and then i got to episode five and six and i was like i need to finish this right now so I just <laughs> yeah sat down just finished it and I'm really happy i did that um so yeah that was the big thing this week and then yeah i think i should mention Zack snyder's justice league because did you watch this, it yeah it was, i did watch <laughs> it i watched it over two sittings which i'm pretty okay. proud of so uh yeah 
interesting. I, still I watched feel like it they, over three. <laughs> okay. I feel like they still could have cut it down to like a three yeah. hour movie, but I, I sort of appreciate the scope of things a lot more now. What do, what do you think about it? Um, I mean, when I first started watching it, I was like, okay, like I could see that, like, first off, it looked fucking phenomenal. <laughs> like yeah. visually, like I, I've mentioned on this podcast before, I have a good TV. So this 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 movie looked awesome, um, and I'm like totally fine with the four three. Like I think it I think it looks great, um, yeah, but yeah. I feel like initially I was like pretty I was pretty into it. I was like okay he's doing a, like it feels like just prim- premium television. Uh, you know, it reminded me of like Game of Thrones or something like that. Like it's just like this sort of epic and what one thing i really appreciated about it is that there's not a whole lot of expository dialogue at the beginning like it's just we're we're actually seeing what would have been summed up by a character in a shorter movie um yeah there's not a lot of dialogue in general it's just like we're just wa- watching these characters sort of you know do what they need to do um a lot of action but by the end of the movie uh it's a pretty fucking stupid movie <laughs> like <laughs> I, like that epilogue is so like uh, if you okay if you haven't seen we this live movie, in a society it, yeah if you haven't seen and that line's not even in there if you haven't seen Zack snyder's justice league word of advice skip the don't watch the epilogue or like take a long break and then like go back to it at, for curiosity's sake like, good advice the movie it at the end of chapter six, it is a totally fine, and the story has ended. The epilogue is the beginning of a completely different movie. <laughs> like it is, it's it doesn't feel like it's the end of this story. It feels like it's just it's all just about setting up other shit, and yeah, you don't yeah. need that. And stupid shit, we don't need to see Jared Leto as Joker again. Like this is terrible. It sounded like yeah. he was doing a Jim Carrey impression the entire time. Did you get that? Yeah. I didn't quite get that. I just was really shocked by, I don't know, just the framing of it seemed very odd to me. That they're really close to his face and just yeah, and out of changing the makeup. And, and so, yeah, it just felt very just off-putting visually. So I was just yeah. like, oh, this is a weird scene. They were and, like, look how crazy it is. <laughs> yeah. The yeah, Joker like, thinks the shot is in focus. Yeah, totally. And they're like kind of rack-focusing between the sun and him. And I'm just like, okay, guys, just fucking relax a little bit with this. Yeah. Like... But yeah, I don't please, know. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy we're not gonna get a much broader uh, DC EU after all of this because I feel like yeah, it's been so and excessive. The fans are already doing it on Twitter. Like uh, something about like the Snyderverse was trending the other day. Like, uh, release the Snyderverse or something. Let's like be that. happy with know. this. Like we got really good Cyborg. Got it's really like, good you Flash. Got you fucking want. You got this movie Superman cost three hundred million dollars. Like yes, between Superman the reshoots, the <laughs> that's yeah. I did. Oh, fuck yeah. I keep forgetting about that. That three hundred so million reshoot. Well, I think yeah. I think the reshoots like cost like a, between the theatrical release and this one. I think it was like an additional like seventy million or something like that. Oh. That's fucking insane. Yeah. Like we stop it. Just stop it. <laughs> yeah, it's really gnarly and really grim. And yeah, just the previews of like super. Uh, I think it's super. No, Batman's vision. Someone has a vision, and they're like they see like some, thing, yeah. some some things happening in the future, and it's a lot of people dying. And, and mm-hmm. I was like, this like I'm happy we're not going to go down that morbid road because yeah, at least with Marvel, it was built up longer, a lot more vibrant, and you know when we get to that point of snapping half of the universe away, there's fucking weight behind that. And so you know when you have when I see a, a image of Superman clutching skeletons in his arm, I'm just like, okay, like you're you're gonna be one yeah. movie away from that, and it's not gonna mean anything. Yeah. Are, are you familiar with um, Injustice, the Injustice plotline, or uh, the DC universe? Not really. Like, so yeah, I'm not too familiar with their overall arcs. Because they're, I'm only familiar with it because of the video game. But like, there's Injustice: Gods Among Us, which is like a fighting game from mm-hmm. Nether Realm Studios, the people who made Mortal Kombat. And uh, the story is basically that in one universe, and this is what like the Snyder Snyder cut is get, getting at, is that like Lois Lane dies, Superman becomes evil. I think what happens, I because I didn't finish the game and like I barely remember it. Um, I think what happens is that Superman becomes like the world's dictator or something like that because he's like, look, I'm Superman. I know what needs <laughs> to be done. Just leave it to me. And he becomes fucking evil, basically. And because, you know, his brain is broken after the death of Lois Lane. 
And so that's what this, that's what this like Bruce Wayne premonition is, is that, you know, Superman has become evil and it is up to them to stop Superman. And I, I think in Injustice, the way it works is it, it's characters from the multiverse, the DC multiverse are coming together to try and stop Superman. And some like heroes have, I think have pledged loyalty to Superman. So like some heroes have become bad and I don't know, it's a whole fucking thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because back in the day when these comics were being written, it's like they're writing these serial stories for years at a time. And so, yeah, yeah. now the film world wants to to adapt that. And to, it's like we know, can do this that. in one movie. Yeah. Five, four, we can introduce movies, all of it. these characters. You know? Yeah, and it's just insane. That's why we end up with four-hour-long Justice League movies. Because and... we have just so many things to go over and to set up. It's just ridiculous yeah so i don't think these all of these comic book arcs necessarily need to be like filtered in in like condensed into three or four movies i think it's just insane yeah. and absurd for movie studios yeah, to make a series or something yeah yeah dark like, side's cool I mean, it looks, so, it looks, so one, looks cool one thing that the snyder cut does the snyder cut i fucking hate calling it the snyder cut but i'm gonna keep calling it that snyder cut <laughs> uh is that so it it has like a ton of needle drops where it's like playing this like incredibly sentimental music while showing us a hero being a hero or what really annoys me is it does it when it shows Lois Lane the first time we see Lois Lane it's playing this like very sentimental music and we get a lot of slow-mo because it's trying to instill this moment and this character with importance that it hasn't earned like if we had even if it was a Marvel movie and we'd spent 10 years with this character and we have this incredibly sentimental like music as we're like seeing them it might feel okay because we spent 10 years with them but it, it yeah. probably wouldn't because it feels kind of out of character for the style that marvel's going for but still like this is the third time we've seen lois lane in a movie and i don't know it's like is she anyone's favorite character from these movies <laughs> like why do we have to have this like incredibly yeah it feels pretentious like yeah, and I think the AV Club review really hit the nail on the head when they were talking about, like, when every moment is a massive moment, then no moment is no a massive moment. Yeah. And so when you have a zoom-in of the fucking sesame kernel on a, a hamburger That was bun, the and, best part of the movie. <laughs> that's the best shot of the movie. And you're like... Yeah. And, and when, if you're ripping off the these the, uh, these like Quicksilver X Men sequences with your really sappy version of it, I, I don't know. I, it, that that was like okay, you guys are just completely ripping off Marvel and trying to do it, and like having uh, the Flash being like really romantically push like grabbing a hot dog and putting it in his pocket. Like, it's super weird, and the that was fucking all, weird. All yeah. over the place. He's and, never yeah, met this woman before. He's like brushing her face, like, <laughs> like yeah. And you also talk about the music. We get a lot of like, like Amazon women cries whenever uh, Wonder Woman oh, is doing yeah. something. And yeah, the by score the time is terrible. The movie is over. It's just like you hear it every single time she is doing something. And, and it's like, yeah, it's Junkie XL who did the music for this one. I think with the Whedon version, uh, Danny Elfman was brought in, and so yeah. I think he probably did a better job. Junkie XL, his whole thing is just like we get these drums where it's like do 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 do. On one hand, you have Junkie XL. On the other hand, you got Icky Thump. So, which it's like, which one do you want to rock with? Yeah. What did you watch this week? So I watched the Snyderverse. I also watched Snyderverse. The Snyder Enter the Snyderverse. Enter the Snyderverse. Well, that's what people want. The, the resurrect of the Snyderverse is the, the hashtag that's trending. Um, it's like, fine. I, I don't have to watch I, it, but they, they can go for it. <laughs> I watched Falcon and Winter Soldier, the first episode. Um, did you watch that or no? Okay. Uh, I did. I just, I don't care. I think I just don't care. Uh, I watched it and like, I'll, I'll just be admit i wasn't totally paying attention i was looking at my phone because i watched it after watching justice league and mm -hmm. it, it's weird going from so like look i've talked a lot of shit on the justice league just now but it is it is refreshing seeing this one person's vision and like living in this one person's headspace for that long 
and like you come out of it absolutely knowing what this person cares about as a filmmaker and they just like they want to highlight these big moments they want to instill everything with importance and uh i don't know they want to elevate these characters to gods and they they want to create a spectacle a real fucking yeah. spectacle and so you go from that to watching falcon and the winter soldier and it just doesn't have the same personality it feels like a very polished and refined product that um I, I don't know it it doesn't feel like it's the product of one person like when you spend so much time with yeah with uh justice league you get to know yeah you're getting to know the faults of the movie and you're getting to know the faults of this filmmaker and then hopping over to this one episode of a tv show it's like uh you know it was just kind of hard to care because i don't get a sense of the personality of the people behind it um i don't know I, I feel that. I, I have a, a, a myriad of thoughts about the Falcon and the Wonder Soldier. The first thought was there aren't many just straight up action shows out there, I mm-hmm. feel like, that are just like, this is a show that's just, yeah. I mean, there's, there's Great crime fight shows. Choreography. And, yeah. yeah, there's like crime shows, I mean, like drug shows or Breaking Bad and stuff where action stuff happens or Daredevil where there's like superhero shows. Yeah. But as far as, like, yeah, I guess the, those shows were the few just like superhero action shows, but this feels a little bit different where they're, I don't know, I think the approach seems to be something more from like the eighties where it feels like, I don't know, like I never watched Knight Rider or something like that, but it feels a little bit, it has like that or sort of snarky. Yeah. It feels like it has like that uh, sort of atmosphere and vibe to it. And I was, I'm into it. I feel like people are kind of ragging on the, on the whole flag smashers things. I think, yeah, yeah I feel in a couple of episodes, I think it'll get to something a little bit more interesting, but yeah, I'm with you. This air, er, this era of Marvel stuff is really interesting because yeah, like, I don't care about the Falcon and I don't really care about Bucky or, you know, Rose. Like there's not really many really interesting or compelling characters left after this massive, Endgame, you know, Infinity War thing that we've all gone through. I, I'm really happy that WandaVision turned out to be a nice, pleasant surprise in some cases. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a messy show, but this one seems really odd, and I'm a, I'm a little worried about it. Um, yeah, I it's trying to do stuff with like the racial politics with with Sam like not being able yeah. to get alone and like and like yeah. I was talking. Just, like, <laughs> I was talking to our like buddy Kevin. I was talking to our buddy Kevin about mm-hmm. that, and he's like, "That's like not giving a loan to a former president or something like that." <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like we all know who this guy is. <laughs> It's like, yeah, like this dude's important. Like this guy <laughs> yeah. literally was handed the shield from Captain America himself. But yeah, I, yeah, it's just a weird show, and I, I, I see the potential in it. But yeah, it's just it seems very silly. And it is yeah, interesting just, going from Justice League to this, where it's like Zack Snyder wants to elevate these characters to the level of gods. And this character's like, no, these are people. <laughs> like, Falcon yeah. can't get alone, and the Winter Soldier goes to therapy. Uh, yeah, and this therapist is, like, not taking his shit anymore and is digging into him yeah. in a really unhealthy way. Yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> like, you're paying for this? <laughs> it's super intense. Like, these writers are just having fun with this. It's not, not super real. But, yeah, I, I think there's potential in the show, and I'm excited to see where it goes. I like that it's an hour long. Um, but, yeah, I think what you said is, is super on point that yeah it's just it seems yeah it's, just uh, it's hard for me lukewarm. to warm yeah it's <laughs> like just, yeah it's like lukewarm like, it doesn't i'm watching it out of an obligation to being part of the discussion <laughs> um and because there's really not much else on tv that i'm interested in i feel like right now so. yeah this also yeah is in a weird place with movies and television where we were in a, a kind of a production like hiccup a little bit and mm-hmm. so yeah, Marvel has been really steady, and they're going to be literally releasing things every single week this year. So. Yeah, what are the uh, what are the other good shows that are out right now, like coming out right now? Uh, off the top of my head, the thing I keep hearing about uh, is Mr. Mayor. It's like a new show, like that Tina Fey is behind. Hmm. It stars Ted Danson, and it's like an NBC sitcom that is apparently pretty funny. Um, I'm going back and revisiting older things. Like I just bought the Disney plus subscription with Hulu so I could watch oh. Legion in, in Atlanta because I've been dying to watch Atlanta so badly. Yeah. Um, but also you'd recommend the Legion. So I was like, I'll check this out too. Yeah. Um, first episode's yeah, kind of long out right now. It's not like much. the length of a movie, I think. Oh, okay. So yeah, just if you get worn out, no shame in taking a break. <laughs> uh, one last thing that I've been yeah. 
watching is uh, I'm still playing Final Fantasy VII, and it's still fucking awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, did you pick it back up? I said I would, but I did not. So <laughs> okay. I have not. <laughs> okay. It is interesting. It's an interesting game. I there's So you played the original, though, right? Yeah. Uh, so there's a point in the game where Cloud cross-dresses. Or he dresses in drag. I don't know. I don't know what the politically correct term is for cloud. Cloud wears a dress. <laughs> yes. Um, he's but going, he's going undercover. Yeah. He's going deep undercover, so he has to <laughs> and go full, full on. It's really interesting to see how that's portrayed in 2021 or 2020 when this came out, um, because it just feels very progressive. <laughs> like, like he goes to this town called Wall Market, where. Uh, you know, he encounters a sex worker and it's never like stigmatized. It's just like, this is what a person does. And he goes to this club that is owned by uh, a queer coded man who dresses him up in uh, a dress and gives him makeup. And he, he has this line where it's something along the lines of like, beauty is not, uh, you know, withheld by gender or something like that, or it is not restrained by gender. And he like when he gives the line, like Cloud is like inches away from his face, and like it looks like they're gonna like kiss or something. And so it's just it's really interesting to like because I don't I don't know what Japan's approach is to uh, you know sex and gender. Um, like yeah. I, I would have assumed that they were pretty conservative, but yeah, it's it's totally like. <laughs> like it doesn't feel like it's a joke that Cloud's wearing a dress. It feels like it's almost kind of empowering. <laughs> like he like walks yeah. around town and gets like all sorts of compliments and stuff like that. Uh, That's cool because yeah, there. I in if I'm remembering correctly, there's like a comedic aspect where it's like played for laughs a little bit in the original. Yeah. Where there there's even a, a point where there, like there's this espionage thing where Cloud is like dressing up as other people and there's a part where he goes to like a bathhouse and it's just like mm. he's surrounded by guys and then they just cut to black and then like they're just oh. <laughs> quiet like we're just gonna give you that joke to, on to we're gonna give you that joke to think about and so yeah mm. there's all of that old stuff in that old game that i feel like yeah they had to address sort of remix and fix in this yeah, so i'm happy they yeah find, found a way to, to address that and, and uh, do it nuancedly do yeah. it with nuance yeah, so that's where I'm at right now in the game. <laughs> and, yeah, and as soon as I, like, finished that. Because, like, it, it unfolds as, like, a, a dance sequence with, like, quick time yeah. events. Like, you and this guy yeah. are, like, voguing and shit. Awesome. <laughs> and it's like, wow, this is interesting. Uh, that's dope. Yeah, yeah, I, like, meant to pick it up, and I started reading uh, Questlove's autobiography. And, mm -hmm. like, just getting deep into hip-hop history is always a way to just get me off of my PlayStation. And so, yeah, just... Probably healthy, about... not not looking at a screen. <laughs> yeah, and I can read the the story of hip hop over like that's like my favorite story of all time. Just hearing about just the progression of how that culture and everything unfolded, and hearing yeah. it from Questlove is very interesting because he is in the hip hop scene, but he was in the fringe of a hip hop scene where you know there's you know he's in a live band, and so yeah. you know he they put out a music video and Biggie was pissed and he was like, you guys are shitting on me. And that was like, you know, some, there's bad blood there. So yeah, it's really, really interesting. I'm making sure I'm getting the order right. It's your choice next, correct? It is my choice next. However, Godzilla vs. Kong comes out Thursday. So I think I will hold off on selecting a movie and I say we just dive right into it. Gotcha. So it's the international release is on the 25th and the U.S. release is the 31st, correct? I, I've only, when does it come out? I'm looking it up right now. HBO Max, Godzilla vs. Kong. I've been assuming that it comes out on Thursday. Is it not? I thought HBO In was theaters and it HBO on. Max March 31st? Fuck. Yeah. I, I'm sorry I had to uh, deliver that news to you live on the show. But no. Yeah. So we had to wait a little longer. Uh, okay, because I kept seeing that it was playing in theaters March 31st, and I was like, oh, maybe that's just when theaters open. But, man. Yeah, I, yeah. so I think... Why would they do that to us? Because <laughs> they hate us. They that they want us to, to fucking be tortured. That is stupid. All right, well, maybe I'll see it in theaters. Maybe I'll get, like, a... Because they're reopening with, like, 25% capacity or something like that. And I've already looked it up. Uh, if you reserve a seat they 
don't allow the seats next to whichever seat you reserve to be reserved. So they were they're trying to okay. do like a six feet thing. So uh, might be cool to go see a movie. Um, uh, in that case, I don't it. I don't know what the fuck we're watching next week. Um, gotcha. Yeah, we'll put that on the back burner. But yeah. yeah, thinking about seeing this in theaters would be fantastic because yeah, like these last two ones, I feel like were very much would have been great to see in theaters. You saw King of the Monsters, but I haven't I didn't see either in theaters, and so yeah, I would love to see this new one in theaters and if we're nervous about going to a theater it will be playing at the drive-in but we yeah. can go there too all right yeah so i guess the next movie we will dis yeah we'll tbd tbd for the next Fuck. movie it, i feel like it i might ne- be i feel like i need a related oh i don't i feel like come on I, you know i'm a godzilla guy it's probably gonna be godzilla <laughs> related um, he's like how dare you <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah we'll see we'll see okay well We'll figure that out. So this has been episode 32 of Vague Zone. If you would like to contact us, you can email us, vaguezonepod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us, at vaguezone. If you want to you know, discuss this Godzilla versus Kong fight in real time with us, we are going to be talking about it as it comes out. Well, not in real time, but you know, tweet us about Godzilla versus Kong. We'll love to talk to you about it. So yeah, that's, <laughs> that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Um, yeah, all right. I'm Thomas. And I'm Daniel. And we will catch you on the next one. All right. Shit.